0: Hello, my name is Ram Srinivas. I work for a consultancy named Market Insights. We are a football data consultancy that assists clubs in decision-making on topics ranging from recruitment to long-term strategy and performance analysis.
1: Firstly, give us a brief overview on how data is influencing football.
0: Well, I feel like it's influencing football in a lot of ways. We all know about the really popular examples of Liverpool and on a more probably relatable scale, there's Brentford. And therein is where you probably see that data has influenced their recruitment a lot. So recruitment is one aspect where data can help a football club to identify players that are in undervalued markets or even at more prominent markets, but undervalued in terms of probably not getting enough playing time, but putting up very good numbers, probably players who don't suit their current teams very well as stylistic fits. So recruitment is obviously a huge, huge aspect of it, but there is, I think it's also safe to say at the same time that it's, compared to the innovations made in other fields of football with data, recruitment is probably at its most latent stage at the moment. Because when you look at the advancements that have been made in recent times, Mm -hmm. every year there are so many papers that come out in the MIT Sloan Conference and more recently OptaPro and StatsPomb. There is a lot of innovation done in terms of performance analysis, using tracking data and even, even to the smallest detail, things like body posture. Yeah. So in training, sport science, uh, performance analysis, and even if, if we're talking about another club close to home, Brentford, the guys who focus on marginal advantages. So things like set pieces, Liverpool hired a throw in coach so data aids you in these processes as well. I mean, I don't know how much a throw-in coach himself uses data, but in analyzing set pieces, which is a burgeoning field at the moment, lies marginal gains that could, you know, make the difference in a playoff final, as we've just seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's not just um, recruitment. It's a wider thing. So it's, it's you know, reacting to injuries. It's um, as you say, set pieces, it goes way beyond purchasing players.
0: Yeah, most definitely. It's uh, There is, well, the problem is at the moment, I wouldn't describe it as a problem, but just the current state of play is that most of the innovation is being done at clubs that have the means to support the infrastructure. So Mm -hmm. a club like Barcelona is basically a research lab for football data at the moment. The best research papers usually come out of Barcelona and Ajax and Liverpool places like that that have very dedicated, very specialised um, teams to lead their research on data analytics. So, but then as you as you move slightly down the foot, foot, football footballing pyramid, and you look at some secondary clubs like, well, basically any club in the championship, apart from Brentford, to my knowledge, things are slightly toned down for various reasons, obviously there's infrastructure, there's budget, everything. But I think the fact of the matter is there are still many ways in which data can be applied in many fields,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even at a slightly smaller level than than the absolute elite in the top five leagues. And that's always gonna give you a gain at the end of the day, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's always, uh, more advantage to using data than not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a question I was going to ask you later. Is that you know our are, are data analyst departments exclusively for wealthy clubs? I know we've seen it um, in well Brentford, um, mm-hmm. but can a team with a small operating budget, like say Wickham Wanderers now in the Championship, utilise yep. data um, in a, in a, in not not in the same way, but in a way that bigger with uh, bigger budget clubs do.
0: Well, a club like Brentford has the means to invest heavily in data. Mm -hmm. They also have financial resources that open them up to, if we're talking about recruitment, it opens them up to a larger catchment area of players. So they can technically go for a lot of players that Wickham Wanderers can't. Mm -hmm. But Wickham Wanderers, to take an example, could still use data to a decent extent. when you're talking about traditional methods of scouting, you're talking about people going to watch players in various levels of English football yeah, or or Scottish football, whatever is the most comfortable region of recruitment for Wickham Wanderers. You're looking for players who ideally have experience in the EFL, mm-hmm. apart from maybe the occasional lonely like Namdi Offabor who came from Bournemouth. And you're looking for players with robustness, so a lot of ability. So the point I'm trying to make is that Wickham Wanderers as well will have a set of parameters that they will want Mm -hmm. to recruit a player by. Yeah, absolutely. And the point is, if a club is recruiting on a slightly smaller budget and cannot afford to invest as heavily in data as a Brentford, they can still use data within their means to narrow down on a list of players according to the parameters that they like. It just makes their processes a lot more efficient. Because if you're looking at a data set of players and you have done your analysis to a decent level, which is basically what uh, our consultancy helps clubs of any scale that is viable to do, mm-hmm. is your process becomes a lot more efficient. You go you go into the season. If if where if for example, we started working with Wickham Wanderers at the end of this transfer window and they are looking towards January, or maybe the next transfer window, uh, I mean, the next summer, they're going to want to direct their scouting operations in the most efficient manner possible. So they would like to have the best possible shortlists in order to send their scouts to games, so on and so forth. And obviously, a really good way to do that is to filter out players via data. So at the end of the day, as, as you and I know, and as everyone knows, there's There's always the debate of, is the eye test better than data? But then that's not really the question, is it? It's how does the eye test work the best with data? What is the best synergy that can be created? Um, How do they best work in tandem? So that's what we help football clubs do. And that's what data can help football clubs do. It can help streamline your processes, make them bespoke and just save yourselves a lot of a lot of time, money, resources.
1: Yeah, so, so it's not over. It's not getting rid of um, the old-fashioned inverted comments. the old-fashioned way of scouting. It's it's bringing the process together to make it more efficient.
0: Yeah, precisely. I mean, when you're talking about traditional ice scouting, uh, when scouts go to games, obviously there are so many things that they must be picking up on that data cannot. For example. Mm-hmm. Outside of like a football manager database or a FIFA database, there is, there's literally no way to assess a player's acceleration apart from literally watching him yeah. unless, you, unless you have access to tracking data, which, which you don't. So things like that and how they adapt themselves physically in challenges, you might have how well they're doing in one-on-one duels as a percentage. Mm-hmm. But then the way they equip themselves in every challenge, body orientation, how how, how well they turn, um, uh, recovery runs, things like that, they have yeah. to be observed with the eye. So uh, the best solution is always, always just a marriage of more modern techniques in data and Absolutely. the age-old uh, scouting that continues and will always continue to be very relevant.
1: I think... One good example of that, I know Leeds fans might say, because I'm a Derby Balter, I'm bringing it up because I'm bitter. I'm not. But Marcelo Bielsa um, uh, going to watch other teams train, you know, under the radar. Um, you know, we, we saw him go into meticulous detail about, how, you know, how much goes into scouting the data and whatnot. Um, Lampard similarly said, you know, we do this as well, you know. Um, but clearly there's, there was a huge gap between the sides. But as Bielsa said, "You know, he was basically he just wanted to watch people, or other teams train because he wanted to, and well, where he wanted to know things that he already knew. Basically, he wanted to confirm it. Um, yeah, is there is there such a thing as a goal in quality of data and and you know, uh, data departments, or is it purely down uh, to how you use the data?
0: I think it's down to how you use the data yeah. because if you if you're talking a little more practically, you in the championship you have brentford that are owned by smart odds who are a data company now betting companies like smart odds collect their own data so they can do whatever they want with their own data they can build they can collect it in the best manner possible in a very bespoke manner they can collect and they can build the most precise models possible the most sophisticated models possible so brentford is like on an island at the moment because mm-hmm. of because of their hierarchy, because of the fact that they have an entire team of mathematicians working at a betting company available to them to design models. Yeah. But when you're talking about other clubs in the championship who do not have access to the same infrastructure, you're basically looking at clubs that are working with probably the same data set. Everyone is probably using the same data from either Opta or scout or Instat apart from the odd club. that. I mean, I don't know this. For sure, because uh, the details obviously aren 't made privy to people but yeah it 's a, a roundabout assumption yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, every club is probably going to be choosing from one out of three or four data providers, yeah. and i mean if every every club uses Scout now Scout is a is a video and data platform that is probably the most cost efficient platform out there at the moment, along with mm-hmm. Instat so if a lot of clubs are going to be using y scout for uh, video scouting anyway they they all have access to the same data set unless they have gone the extra mile and got stats bomb or something like that mm-hmm. but so what i'm saying is if most clubs in the efl not just the championship because league 1 and league 2 will be using these as well it's just down to how they use it it's down to applying the filters that suit you the most yeah. there needs to be a cogent idea about what kind of player the club is looking for, what kind of profile is required for every position, style of play, as long as these things have a decent degree of clarity about them, because mm-hmm. priorities can change as things go on in football, as, as seasons change. I mean, as things change within the season, a lot, a lot it, it, it's a dynamic, it's a dynamic, um, like, just a dynamic set of paradigms but Mm -hmm. as long as there is a decent extent of clarity to these things then a club will have a good idea of how to use data best and that's again where we help clubs is we try to try to garner their requirements and translate that into the best interpretation that we can take over to data and then apply filters accordingly and adjust for team styles and there are, there are various techniques that you can apply on data and it's it's not going to be rocket science because a Scout data set, for example, is it's, it's limited in terms of the number of things you can do on it. Mm-hmm. So it's really just about doing as much as you can with the data set, yeah. even though it doesn't have to be ridiculously complex, like the things they do at Barcelona or whatever, but it's that. And then the second most key aspect is trusting the process. Absolutely. You need to. You need to understand, or, or anyone that's working with data needs to understand one, what the data is telling you, and two, they need to be able to to invest a certain degree of trust. Obviously, it doesn't have to be blind faith, but if you have, if you if you've bought in to a decent amount as to what the data is telling you, then the club is always going to be better off for it. Mm-hmm. Th- that's that's what clubs like Brentford and Norwich are doing. Norwich bought a player named Daniel Sinani who was playing in Luxembourg. Uh, his data was very, very good. And he'd played in a few Europa League games where he looked pretty good. We've, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've watched him myself. And that's the kind of gamble. It may or may not pay off. But the fact is they're taking a risk based half, I mean, partly based on data, partly based on what's their, what mm-hmm. they're watching. Another example is Coventry. Coventry just signed i think a 27 year old player from the third division in germany yeah who has put up really good numbers on data but the thing is not a lot of clubs are going to take a chance on an under under 26 under 20s 20, i mean if a if a team is going to buy a player from the third division of germany it's just the the mindset around that sort of move is will he be able to adapt to the championship at that age he's not exactly a player with a lot of development ahead of him now mm-hmm. right yeah. so it's natural to have some amount of reluctance in wanting to consider uh, how, much, how easily the player will be adapted to a league as intense, as physical, as a championship coming from uh, a league like the third division of Germany. Mm-hmm. But a club like Coventry is looking at that player's stellar data and they've probably watched him as well and they've said he's probably worth taking a punt on. There's mm-hmm. him, there's Gustavo Hamer who's coming from AC Zwolle in in the Dutch Air division, another league that um, is not at all as physical and as fast as the championship. So yeah. yeah, it's um it's about it's about trusting the process as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I say that that, that trusting in the process, you know, it, it seems like these signings are also fairly low risk in terms of cost as well, because you know, third division yeah. in, in Germany, uh, you're looking at uh, you know Luxembourg as well, and then. A really good example is Ben Rama, I think was signed from League Two in, in France, yeah, yeah. Um, at two and a half million pounds, which is a sizeable fee, but is low risk compared to the other fees that are spent on players.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, definitely. So you know you can definitely see the value there, and obviously, uh, you mentioned Coventry, they also have their market where they're going to shop yeah. around. It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of Classic Football Shirts here because they offer you Classic Football Shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh, no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it, and I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. (laughs) But yeah, you know, going on to the next point, you know, I look at Brentford, Barnsley, you know, Liverpool, are, as, as you mentioned earlier, earlier, are one of the, the the main examples of you know clubs getting recruitment and philosophy right. But why do you think there's such a reluctance from supporters, some managers, and a lot of sections of the media to embrace data? I remember. Um, uh, you mentioned the set piece, the throwing coach at Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Thomas Gronner something. Yeah, Gronner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I was absolutely fascinated by it, but he got pelters in the media because of his profession. But you can see that the value he's bringing to Liverpool. Why is there such a, uh, not a hostility, but just, uh, yeah, a reluctance from supporters and, and co to really embrace it?
0: It's. um. Sometimes maybe it's it's not anyone's fault. Sometimes the natural order of things is just to present some resistance to a change in the way things are done mm-hmm. and things are changing slowly. And so naturally they will be met with some resistance and a lot of questions, but it just takes maybe two or three clubs to do something and do it very successfully. Mm-hmm. And soon the others will be following suit. I mean, with the use of data at large, you can tell that it's it's already being used very. I mean, it's 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 commonplace usage now. Every every club is. I mean, there are there are probably people who might prefer to. And I mean, Neil Warnock, I'm from, came out the other day and yeah. said that um, his recruitment team had showed him players who. Apparently we're good at one-on-one duels, but then he watched them for about five minutes and mm-hmm. said, now they can't defend. So there is there is that side to things and I can respect it coming from people because they have their because they have their own viewpoints. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, there will be, be peop- there will be people who probably won't buy into it as much, but there will be people who do. And then I mean, as we are seeing already, some people will be good at using it and they'll be successful. Mm-hmm. And naturally, heads will begin to turn. And people probably won't be ridiculing these things as much because what was a strange thought in a throw-in coach one season ago is now widely lauded in probably a lot more spheres than it was at the time. Yeah. So I, th- I think it really is just about that one domino falling to set the rest in motion mm-hmm. and that's happening believe me it's happening it's with Brentford in the championship with uh, with Coventry they're a they're a good side mind even if even if they're they're pulled into the relegation battle I think Coventry are going to be all right mm-hmm. in, in two or three seasons time because they're doing things smartly so if clubs do these things and others see that it's going to be good for long- term sustainability, then I think people will just come around eventually. I think mm-hmm. it's just it's just a process really if, if initially um, initially th- these things might be seen as iconoclastic and you, you can only imagine that uh, three or four years ago when um, I forget his name, but the the guy who initially came up with the explanation as to why. Jurgen Klopp's uh, Borussia Dortmund was mm. underperforming expected goals by a large margin. You know, in that season where they performed pretty poorly, and then Jurgen Klopp left. Yeah, um, that must have been that must have been something that would have been met with several yeah, questions at absolutely. the time.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. But then, what mattered was the people, the people that mattered, the, the decision makers in German football. They saw that something interesting was happening and they bought into that and you know it's uh, it's 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 just a process of evolution really
1: it takes a while for it to bed in but once it's yeah. once it's the norm it's it's the norm i think another example i could, I could think off the, t- off the top of my head is um frank lampard wondering why they're conceding so many goals from set pieces and his answer was we need to sign two other players <laughs> when actually you know it comes down to coaching and assessing exactly what is going wrong um, but you know, as I say, I look at um, I look at football generally, and there are there are more data firms now becoming involved in football in terms of buying clubs. You look at Barnsley, uh, Bolton, and Ox County are just a number of clubs I can think of. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the glaring one is Matthew Benham at, at Brentford, or, or you know, albeit slightly different. Yeah, you know, why do you think there's such a, a, a broader interest from data firms in football? Is it because they see the value in buy low, sell high, or is there a
0: hundred percent? Hundred percent. I think, I think uh, there as well. The precedent, the precedent, the the holy grail that has been established by smart, Od- smart odds via uh, Matthew Banham and Brentford, and there is also Tony Bloom, who mm-hmm. is yeah. the owner of Brighton and Albion, as well as uh, Union Saint-Gilloise in Belgium, second tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Bloom, like Matthew Banham, was or is. Um, a professional gambler. So he was involved in the betting industry as well.
1: That's why he's a football owner as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Brighton are evidently a club that is making a lot of good data signings, especially in recent times. Players like Jan Lakar, who was at QPR and Wigan in the championship this season. Mm -hmm. That guy had uh, one good season in Slovenia, I think. And they bought, him, they, they bought him immediately after that season. Tura Baluta, who had a good season. A Romanian player, they bought him immediately. Loaned yeah. him out to the Netherlands. He was, uh, he was on their bench a couple of times as well. Uh, Alexis McAllister, who played for them a lot, mm-hmm. he, um, he was putting up incredible numbers uh, in Argentina. So Brighton, uh, going back from the time they bought someone like Pascal Gross, who was putting up really good underlying numbers, playing for Ingolstadt in the Bundesliga. So from way back, a club like Brighton as well have been making these signings that have kind of been going under the radar are actually doing pretty well. And yeah. I think a testament uh, that's a testament to the fact that they have a lot of assets in their squad at the moment and a lot of really good players out on loan. Um, so Brighton is probably another slightly less heralded example, but a very pertinent one yeah. in... Uh, a data person, well, loosely put a data person buying a club and seeing the value in uh, doing things smartly. So, yeah, I think there's only going to increase, as you mentioned, the people at Football Radar uh, acquired Notts County. And mm-hmm. interestingly, um, did you see that Notts County signed a player named Ruben Rodriguez very recently? He yeah, is yeah. a striker slash, I mean, he's he's a, he's a striker that can play. So, he's played in I'm pretty sure he's played in central midfield as a mm-hmm. ten and a striker, but he played for I think he played for Den Bosch in the second division of the of uh, the Netherlands. So mm-hmm. the quick in campaign on DVC and to go for a player like that, yeah, that's an obvious data move. But they managed somehow they managed to convince him to go to the national league, mm-hmm. and given I'm 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 not saying the national league is very far apart from the second division Netherlands in terms of quality, but the fact that they've gone out. And looked at a player in that market and actually brought him to the club. Yeah. It's just it says that they have bought into the into the data process. And understandably so, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they're owned by they're owned by Football Radar at the end of the day. And um, there's there's I think Paphos FC that's owned by Analytics FC. They mm-hmm. they picked up Russian Hubburn Murphy, by the way. Um yeah. they're, they're, they're making some smart data signings and uh, Rochdale is probably one to keep an eye on because okay. Dan Altman the guy behind Smarter Scout that everyone is using mm-hmm. these days, including the athletic. Uh Dan Altman became, I think, uh, one of the majority uh, shareholders yeah. in in Rochdale recently. It's interesting. So that's another one to keep an eye on. And it wouldn't surprise me one day if Statsform went and bought a club. You know, they've been. <laughs> uh, uh, Ted Knutsen has spoken. I'm pretty sure he's tweeted about it a lot. Yeah, spoken about yeah, it, it on the podcast that, that they they'd like to get buy a club someday and I'm sure they will, and I'd really like to see how they run it at that that time, but yeah, these these guys will come in with the strategy and make it heavily data-oriented, and and I'm sure they'll do well, because Mm. uh, yeah, these are smart, informed decisions.
1: Um, Another point I was going to say is, you know, we're seeing budgets slashed, well, presumably slashed uh, as a result of COVID-19, you know, incomes dropped. So recruitment uh, has got to be a lot smarter and, you know, transfer fees, I imagine will be a bit more prudent in the coming years, you know, so with that in mind, just how valuable is data becoming for football teams? I know we've probably covered it, but just in a nutshell, how valuable is it?
0: Incredibly, incredibly. If, if furthermore, if there is, there's a wage cap implemented, um, it's going to become even more important to get your signings right so there's there's not going to be much room for splurging a pl- splurging on a player and i don't know that that move kind of going wrong mm-hmm. like some championship clubs may have done in the past yeah so there's going to be less room to maneuver from that front so your decisions are going to be have to be all the more careful all the more informed and i feel as if uh, data will also help a lot of clubs in England look deeper into leagues one and two mm-hmm. to pick up the more undervalued players there okay. because um, I don't know how things are going to change with Brexit and everything, but <laughs> regardless of all, regardless of um, that and, you know, pending work permit rule changes, there is a lot of talent in league one and league two that I think championship clubs could be doing with taking more notice of. And like, you look at Brentford who bought Drew Yearwood from Southend last summer. Yeah. I think he didn't play more than 90 minutes for them in total, or if he played at all. But then they sold him to New York Red Bulls now, mm-hmm. and they flipped a profit without playing the player. Yeah. So there is there are lots of talented players that come up on data when you look down into League One, League Two, and the and the National League as well, and it so happens that sometimes if you identify the right player, he can step up and perform relatively well, mm-hmm. like Macaulay Bon of Charlton Athletic. Who yeah, probably I expect yeah. him to come back to the Championship at some point. I know Derby Conti will link somewhere somehow, but um, yeah, there's a uh, there are a lot of players that come up from League One every year, obviously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I feel as if there is a Data, data is obviously going to be very, very important uh, as as transfer budgets go down. Yeah. The need to recruit locally becomes more important because who knows with COVID when people are going to be allowed to go on scouting missions to Europe again, yeah, right? True. On a wide scale. Yeah. So yeah. it could become all the more important to recruit domestically furthermore. So yeah, that, that's just another factor. Um, data will help... Enhance the decision making on an already reasonably strong knowledge base of mm-hmm. English players for clubs who are re- looking to recruit domestically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know one extra point is clubs that sort of buy into this process who purchase these players. You know, do these players going knowing that they're being bought for a small price with the thought of later down the line they're going to get a move to a bigger club. Because that seems to be Brentford's philosophy: um, is yeah. move players at the right time. Do these players recognise that when their value peaks? For example, Wally Watkins this season. Mm-hmm. Do they recognise that it will be time to move on to a big club uh, at am sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's part that's part of how they sell their club to to the players. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be data driven. For example. Peterborough United obviously hired uh, my colleague Blades Analytic to do yeah. recruitment analysis for them mm-hmm. last season. So I mean, they do use data, but then they've been making smart purchases for a long, long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've always they've had a successful player trading model in place, right? So I think data can help. Where data can help here is when you're going into a presentation or whatever it is uh, to talk to a player, then. If you if you show them, if you show them, if you crunch the numbers on how where you've bought players from, when you've sold them, after after you know what kind of traje- career trajectory they've gone on to have after that, that would probably be a huge selling point for, for clubs to attract mm. players. So that's yeah, that, that's probably going to help clubs, even like clubs like Barnsley, recruit players yeah. from um, Europe. People like uh, Patrick Schmidt or Madz or uh, Joel Anderson, who might become better players in mm. two or three seasons' time and move to better clubs, whether it's back there in Europe or in England or whatever. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, um, they can they can come come clean to these players and say that we have a we have a player trading model in place, and they can show them the data on that, and that will obviously go a large way in uh, convincing the player to sign further
1: brilliant just before you go tell us a bit more about uh market insights what you do and where we can find you um because as i say it's you know it's a really interesting up and coming not up and coming but something that, as you said it is evolving and becoming a bit more prominent and i think you know it'd be good to know a bit more
0: yeah I, to be fair i think it is very much up and coming <laughs> we are uh as as um as a consultancy we are just over a year old in fact yeah um we started working with our first clients in the championship just about a year ago and mm-hmm. right now we're working for um we're working for a number of clubs in league two league one uh, the europa league uh, indian super league mm-hmm. um and uh, we were working with a club in america and um, another one up in scandinavia so i think it's been interesting for us as a company because we have been, when we make pitches to football clubs, it's it's p- part of our pitches also to convince them that data can be used in the most effective manner yeah. possible and the benefits that it can bring them, how it can save them money, how it can save them time and resources in general. So a market insights basically aims to do that. We help clubs optimize and Best inform their processes, as I said, um, going all the way from recruitment to long term squad planning mm-hmm. to performance analysis, because obviously data on a match to match basis is obviously very important if you're analyzing the opposition or your own team's performance. So we like to think that we know our way around data and we can help clubs make the best use of what they have available to them as um in combination with the data that is available on the internet at large Mm -hmm. and bring them the maximum benefit
1: brilliant um yeah thank you for your time today i urge anyone who is on twitter to follow you or market insights because as i say the, the information is is generally very fascinating and you know, I think I have followed you on Twitter for at least a year, and yeah, you, you pick you pick up a lot of, a, a lot of knowledge, and you know, you always are uh, always open to interaction as well. So, as I say, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thank you.
1: It's been really nice. <laughs>